course, your home for a bunch of pillows in the corners of my dining room. My name's Nathan, your most ensnackened host. I'm Pat, I'm your pen-flipping host. Uh, I'm Andy, and I just managed to not laugh for ten seconds, so there's that. You did not. No. I, I did. You failed a bunch of times to not laugh for ten seconds. We Whatever. have a special guest today. We do have a special guest today. So, um, so I, I brought along our, this is our first guest on the podcast. We're very excited to have her here, but this is a friend of mine, a former coworker. Um, we talked together, worked together at, um, uh, a, a tutoring center teaching, um, ACT and SAT prep. Um, her name is Lolita and she's here to talk with us a little bit about code switching. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about that this week or this month, really, Black History Month, we're three white dudes, so I figured we really ought to at least take some time to not make it about white guy topics. And, like, we talk about the orange dude a lot, so the it'd be yeah. nice to... Yeah. Um, so hi, Lolita. Hi. Welcome. Hello. I am, like... I'm, like, overly appreciative that you're here. <laughs> so, yeah, this is great. Thank you for coming out. Anytime, anytime. We're really excited, and, and unfortunately, you know, we're not going to be able to pay you, so that makes us extra excited <laughs> that you're willing to come and talk with us a little bit, because... For the low, low price have, of free. Well, you know what? That's what I friends are for, right? I do have clementines. <laughs> that Vitamin is true. C will be your payment. <laughs> I also put out carrots that no one is allowed to eat for the next, like, hour and a half. There was an excellent uh, snack true. choice. Um, so anyway, we're here to talk a little bit about code switching. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about what code switching is? Just a general sense of it. First things first, Mm -hmm. I just want to make a sweeping statement that I do not speak for all black people everywhere. (laughs) I don't want that to be Well, then what are we doing here? (laughs) Yeah, never mind. Just cancel. (laughs) No, that's, yeah, understood. Um, you know, my experiences are different than other black people's experiences. Um, so just want to let that be known. Um, for me, code switching is just the idea of not being too black in places where that wouldn't be acceptable. Not being too black. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I come from a pretty urban background and so Ebonics, you know, the idea that like, if you're in an... Is that still an okay term? I thought that that was kind of... Not for you. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, I just try not to so say that's anything. The, yeah, yeah, no, I... I mean, it's not, and it's not even like it's a, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's a way of speaking so that people who you are familiar with, and, you know, typically that's people who look like you, you know, it's a shorthand way of saying things. But if you're in the corporate Caucasian America, it might not be acceptable. Hmm. So do you find that, like, if you go to work or if you go to a job interview, you're switching up the all way the that time. you talk? All, all the time. Well, and, and as a matter of <laughs> one of the specific reasons I wanted you to be the person to come talk to us about this is when we worked together, as, you taught English, mm-hmm. like, as in standard written English, meaning essentially white English for the purposes of our <laughs> conversation, um, in, in, in a town mentor, which right. is a super white area of wealthier and so that's this is something that you on the daily you had to deal with Mm -hmm. what was that like i mean when i first started at the place where i work (laughs) it was certainly a a cultural shock for me because i was the only black person there i'm still the only black person there and i've been the only black person there for four years 
So, I mean, and, and, and especially talking to students, cause I've always worked with students, but before it was like students who, you know, African American kids from, you know, low income backgrounds who go to public schools. And the, the things that you talk about, the way you talk to them is different. It was a learning experience trying to rein myself in to remember that like these kids are different kinds of kids. And I had to relate to them in a different way and in a different manner than like, my other kids. So even now, like right now, I'm at the Heights High School. Mm. And so those kids are, where I went to high school. are way different <laughs> from the kids that I tutor and mentor. So it's, I mean, this the way I talk to them, the way I interact with them is is different. So it, it has more to do with the actual relationship with the students right. than it does the instruction that you're providing. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. Like, for example, at... The place where I tutor, um, you know, we, we use the books and we use the material and it's all, you know, academic and straightforward. But like at the high school, when I'm teaching someone in history, we have there, there's this YouTube channel and it's this guy who does like hood history. And so it's a way to relate history to them in using words that they understand so that they can understand it, which is something that would never be necessary with the kind of students that I tutor That's cool. at the place that, that I That is work. really cool. So would you go so far as to call it a different language or would you call it a different I, dialect? I would call it like, a different language. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, probably in the same... So I'm just guessing here, but like in the same way, like... People who, like, you go down to New Orleans and you hear that, like, traditional New Orleans accent where mm-hmm. they're like, I, I can't, I'm not going to try. Yeah, Creole. It, it, yeah. Right. But it's still English. So, or, like, t- take old English, for example. It's something that is, like, adjacent to what you're familiar with, but maybe not what you're used to, I guess. I I think if you're from a different culture, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think um, yeah. the what I kind of think about in my head is it, it would be kind of like if I went to work every day and basically posed as a Brit, as though I were English, right? <laughs> and no I was always that. speaking with a British accent every day at work to the point where they thought that that's how I spoke outside of work. I mean, I, I, I don't, don't know that I've ever thought about people but, formulating opinions on how I speak outside of the places that mm. I work. Fair enough. Um, well, so I've never I, given that any thought. <laughs> because, in, in by way of contrast, you and I are Facebook friends. Very true. Um, and so, you know, I I, I sat and I, I heard you speak for what three four years at, at the place where we worked, <laughs> um, and and heard you speak to these kids, and you know, it's very SWE, right? Standard yeah. written English. Yeah. Very you you communicated with them essentially in a white dialect. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've seen your Facebook. Post exactly. And that is, that is just not how I not communicate with the rest. No, of the because world. that's where you are in in your more familiar environment. Right. So, how what kind of effect does code switching have on that environment at home? Um, none. No. No. I myself <laughs> at my house and other people's houses. So you can kind of keep it like compartmentalized. Like you have your work, and then you have just like you. And yes. Like everything. And they're else. not. I mean, they're not the same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um. When you're doing this code switching and stuff, when you have to, like, manage these, like, two kind of separate lives, would you say that that's been, like, hurtful to you or, like, damaging? Has there ever been, like, a time where you, like, really wish that wasn't the case? I mean, of course you wish you could, you know, not not necessarily be yourself because it's not like I'm not myself. But, mm-hmm. of course, you you wish you could express yourself, you know, in ways that... You don't have to think twice about. Like, for example, 
when I, for, like, I was in my, like, second year of and I made the decision to go natural, like, with my hair. And, I mean, I actually had to, like, give that some thought because I didn't know if, like, the Caucasian people who, <laughs> you know, would, would see me work. Because I already wondered whether or not, you know, when parents come in sometimes and they'll see me working with their students, how they feel about that. Because, again, I'm it. I'm the only one. <laughs> so, you know, it was just yeah. like, it's, it would be nice to not have to have those thoughts. But, you know, this is the world we live in. Hmm. The reason I asked earlier about, you know, at, at home and how things affect, I, I, someone, uh, who worked at the other location who I worked with, Kim, she, she used to tell me a little bit, now she grew up in Connecticut, she's also a black woman, and, uh, what? Hmm. Connecticut. Poor thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, because of Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, um, she, she grew up in Connecticut where, and, and around a lot of white people and pretty much kind of learned, she grew up speaking kind of that SWE dialect, right? Mm-hmm. Went to, off to college mm-hmm. and had a lot of trouble connecting with other black people at college because she wasn't really, she, she didn't, I guess, uh, to kind of put an academic interpretation on it there, she wasn't putting out those identifiers mm-hmm. that she's a part of that community really. Mm-hmm. And that can be a problem for a lot of people. I mean, my best friend, when we first met in college, she grew up in Macedonia. And so, like, she she really didn't have a ton of black friends out there. And when I first met her, I had this mindset that you had to be a certain way and look a certain way and speak a certain way to be black. And that was what I felt back then. Since since then, I've grown up and I've realized that, you know, there are different levels to everything. But back then, when I saw her, I saw, like, this black girl who wanted to be white. And that was such a big deal when I was growing up. Like, black girls who thought they were white, who talked white, who got weaves, who wanted to be, you know, little white girls. Like, that was such a thing. And that was, like, how I felt at first until I realized... That, like, we did have stuff in common. And there's no such thing as not being black enough. Like, we are black because of our history, our ancestry, the color of our skin. Not because of the experiences that we've had or the lives that we've led. Like, you can be a suburban, you know, wealthier person and still be black. Mm. (laughs) You can speak the king's English and still be black. Right, you don't, you don't lose your, <laughs> right. You don't, it's not something you have to earn and it's not something that you can lose. Mm-hmm. And I think, but for a lot of, you know, black people who do come from urban areas, that's what they feel sometimes is that your blackness is something you have to earn because, you know, you have to do this in order to be considered black. You have to, you know, speak a certain way or, or do things a certain way. And I think that that's something that, at least, you know, during my tenure in college back then that, you know, I believed and I knew other black people who I was friends with believed. And so it's, it's, it's hard to try to, for a black woman from Connecticut to try to maybe fit in in a more urban she, environment. She was in college in Florida. I and oh, poor thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I can only imagine how difficult it would be to try to get these people to see you for, you know, the 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 sister that you are, <laughs> <laughs> right? And you know maybe that's 
I pay a lot of attention to mainly just because I watch a lot of TV and movies. Mm-hmm. And so I've started, I start to notice a little bit about archetypal characters and casting, right? Mm-hmm. And especially minority casting. And, you know, through the, even through, even going all the way back to the 80s when you had Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the butler's name? Carlton? Jeff- that was the brother. Jeffrey. That was the brother. Jeff, Jeffrey? Yeah. There you go. Um, oh no, Car- I like how you Carlton that. was the Carlton cousin. was the cousin, but yeah. I like how you, Carlton was, was the he super. Was that. Yeah, he, he was, was that. that. He was that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I like that you had Jeffrey like right there on the, the top. Fresh Prince is Marshall. Great show. Oh, it's been a while, but it was a great show. I, I heard they're working on like a remake or something. I heard. Well, Will Smith yeah. doesn't want to do a remake because Uncle Phil, the real person, he yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. Well, there is a there is a fantastic sort of like. Uh, ho- like a homemade trailer on YouTube mm. of like a dark, gritty reboot of the Fresh Prince mm. that is absolutely worth watching. They, they did right. find a guy that is like the spitting image of a young, like a younger Will Smith, hmm. mm. and it was for it was for some movie or something. So what what I I've, I've kind of noticed a lot of he- I guess hesitancy on on producers to really create. These off like urban black characters who who they all have this sort of anglicized speech. Mm. It's not. It's sort. Of, they, it's like they're trying to go meet halfway sort of thing. Anyway. I think that has more to do with the fact that. <laughs> For example, if the three of y'all decided to create a character for a movie who was supposed to be, supposed to be, like in, you know, the, your typical, is air quotes, I'm like, everybody know that, your typical urban street youth, you wouldn't even know where to start. No. <laughs> and it's, no. I it's, could not create it dialogue is, it is for this rooms character. like this one, absence of me, in which those characters are being created. So it's more of an issue behind the screen. It's the writer room. Right, I was going to say, like, the fact that they don't have any idea where to begin does not at all stop them from from beginning and finishing. And then finishing. Yeah. Right. So that is, that's uh, that's the issue there, is that... Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of, you know, um, (laughs) shows like 30 Rock that actually kind of addresses that a little bit. Where they have a, a black writer in the room, but he's a Harvard educated one, so they kind of joke about how he's not really black, and right. they have a whole episode between he and Tracy that, um, I don't know if you watch that I show. I do not. Ah. I don't know who Tracy is, is, but I was Tracy gonna Morgan. You, I was gonna let you keep talking. Tracy Jordan. Oh, okay. plays a character named Tracy Jordan, but it's Tracy Morgan. I swear, Morgan. Oh. I get them mixed, like, I, yeah. I am never you really quite sure really what like. his last name is, cause I, like, Associate him so much with that character. He's was, from other stuff. Yeah, it was just, a show that was created by Tina Fey, and it's, yeah. oh, okay. it's phenomenal. It's Excellent really show. I love the show. But um, but yeah, Tracy Morgan and and this character, they always refer to as Toofer because he's both Harvard educated and black right. to meet a quota. Right, so he's a two for one, and and it's a. I think I I think that's really does kind of give you it. They're they're parodying. The issue, but these are people who created that show. There, right. they are writers, screenwriters. Right. Tina Fey is a, a more and known that, as. And a that writers writer. room was diverse too. The the writers room for Thirty Rock. I couldn't like name the people, but like the actual people. people who wrote the show yes. Thirty Rock, not yes. the writers room within the because it's a right. show within a show kind of thing. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, so they had a writer's room of characters on the show. Right. But. Anyway, welcome to the 30 Rock uh, fan <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, um, as much of that. so when there's a lack of authenticity, like, you can tell, like, it's really All the apparent. Time. Like, Super apparent. What's, what's like, one thing where you, you really felt like they're not representing black people well? I mean, it's, like, I've seen a lot of movies and TV where it's those, like, it's those, it's those like safe black characters, the ones mm. who are like black but like not too black. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like and it's like the, it's well, the thing, it's the things they say, it's the slang they kind of sort of try to use that I've literally never heard in my whole little life. <laughs> did you ever really? Uh, did you ever watch Luke Cage? Oh, I hate Luke Cage. So, I right. hate it so much. Really? I hate really? I hate Why? It. I hate it. I hate the acting. I hate. I don't even know what that man's name is. The main character, whatever, Luke Cage. Oh, I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate him. I hate his character. I hate the show. Wow. I hate the acting. I don't hate know anything about this show. Oh my goodness. I mean that. And it was hard. supposed to be like like yeah. a super black super. You see yeah, how it got canceled right. though, right? I did. Yeah. Well, they. But I don't know why. They all they all got canceled because uh, they all got canceled because Disney got, bought it. Or yeah, because well, Disney bought it. It was I bad assumed before it was that. that. Really? Uh, it got canceled before that. That, that Notorious B.I.G. Uh, poster yeah, was yeah. pretty good. What was it? What? <laughs> oh, the yeah. Notorious the... B.I.G. poster. That was pretty, or painting, I guess. It was. Oh, yeah. That was it nice. probably wasn't a poster. And, and his character, the guy, I forget his name. He was the only character. Like the bad like, guy the bad or whatever? Guy. He was yeah. the only one who like felt real. So, But well, I, I didn't like that show. I don't like a lot of things that my, are supposed to be like for black people that aren't by black people. That's why. Be, because, like, because again, I don't, I don't find it authentic. I don't need a room full of seventeen white men to make a movie about black people that's supposed to represent me, but mm-hmm. yet there is literally no one in that room who knows anything about me. So, is that something that's like, like the Proud Family, or that's something that's like Black Panther, or? Something else. I mean, so Black Panther, I would imagine, is a little bit different because right. it's not urban right. America. It's, it's a fantasy, you know, thing. But to be fair, I mean, there were there were but black people in the room, and there were there were all types of black people in the movie. And you know, but I mean, um, I can't. You know, a movie I love, Get Out. I oh, <laughs> okay. I think that Get Out is like the perfect combination of like that, like like sci-fi kind of thing that like black people can also relate to. You hmm. know what I mean? Uh well pr- not entirely, not. that's for sure. Right. <laughs> I don't watch that. The, but uh, uh, that's but Jordan Peele, was, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I okay. And I feel like he probably has a unique experience because he's half he's half white and half black and he's married to a white woman. So I think that his his take on things is probably, you know, like more unique than mine and I thought that his movie was a unique representation of like something like I love that movie (laughs) (laughs) see so it's been on my list for a while but I haven't actually seen it yet literally Um, so so it's a horror I don't um, I don't really watch horror movies but I love elements in it I love Jordan Peele yeah but I don't really watch horror movies so that's why it's not horror in the sense like gore and stuff like it's you should watch it. It's okay. psycho. I I yeah. also have not seen it. Like I feel bad. I like that's one of those movies. Like damn, I gotta go see that movie. Yeah, yeah. no. Like, yeah. Can we just take a break from I mean, the podcast? We're gonna, we're gonna take watch a couple hour break. <laughs> you don't we'll have to work that anyway, right? So we get, there's a, there's <laughs> a great out. Obama code switching sketch. Oh, the Peel, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like it's walking so down. Funny. Oh, it's so good. It. 
And like, there's, it's based on an a- actual footage uh, from uh, and uh, Kevin Durant, I think. Yeah, when he, I, I saw that. Oh <laughs> man, he is. So he he gives this. He, uh, so Obama is in the. Uh, I think it was Kentucky. Giving a speech or something. Yeah, he well, he's in the locker, in the locker room, room after this after game, this. Oh, and I'm he gives something different. He they gives the NFC, NCAA thing. Yeah, and, and he gives the the white coach a like very friendly handshake, and then goes to Kevin Durant, and they do this big over the top like shoulder it's shoulder grab that. and like one arm hug. He dapped them up. Dapped them up. Dapped them up. Nice. That is something. So I, there you go. There's the whole Keen, the whole Keen Peel sketch is him like walking down a line yeah. of African Americans and white people, and like depending on who he's like doing, he'll either well, shake thank their you very much, thank you, thank you. very nice, yeah. to, or and like, then he gets and then he gets, then he gets to uh, to uh, Jordan or to Keegan, Keegan Michael Key, yeah. and you know how he they're both half white, and so he gets to him and he looks confused, <laughs> <laughs> and then someone whispers in his ear. He's the eighth black. He's like, good afternoon, my octoroon. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, That's very silly. Wow. So you guys should go look yeah. it up on YouTube. Love them. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, so that's interesting. So that one, that feels really authentic to you. Get out. I mean, it does. It does. It does. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't think of a movie offhand in which like I believed the urbanness of the character. <laughs> well, what about and <laughs> I don't know if except like maybe like a movie like Boys in the Hood or something or some of those. I was like, going to say like Spike Lee, maybe? yeah, maybe those. But like the new one, like like Coach Carter, like I didn't believe that any of those kids was poor or from the hood. <laughs> nah. Um, and Hollywood loves making those <laughs> movies about like how like I'm gonna make this team from a lower income neighborhood win. Yeah, and it's yeah, gonna yeah. turn their lives around. Like yeah. to be fair, they lost at the end of Coach Carter. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> I keep uh, track of like one like sports movie to another. I haven't seen Coach Carter, but one of my favorites is Hardball. Yes, Keanu Reeves. But to be fair, I love Hardball because when G Baby died, I cried. Oh my god, I like cried a baby. Like oh my god, like a <laughs> little fucking baby. <laughs> I am a little bitch by that movie. But that was the same movie. kind of movie. It's like so you bad. Got, you got a bunch of it's poor little black kids who want to play baseball, and you got their white savior. And right. Yeah. Like well, Coach Coach Carter. Yep. It's that's Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, but so it's, not the same it's thing. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. It is a Sisyphean task. Do not bother. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say as like a trend line? Do you think it's like it's worse in older movies, and it's something that's getting better, or has it like stalled out? What do you mean by older Ooh. movies? Because what do you, what do you mean older, by older movies? Older movies probably like, means no black people. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a fact. Um, I I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but like of, of something that's like an '80s movie that is not very sensitive, like versus movies that are coming out today. Do you think that they're um, you know better in that respect, I more authentic? I wouldn't say authentic, but I think that <laughs> I think that overall people are more sensitive these mm-hmm. days. So like you know people who make movies are trying to take notes. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that, like, all of a sudden, white people get us. Well, and, like, can we just talk <laughs> about, like, for me, the gorilla in the room is the Green Book, mm. which is I've the ultimate... I've never watched that movie before. I, I just can't. But it's a, it's just a white savior movie. Yeah, and, that, and, I, and I, don't, like, I don't watch those kinds of movies. Oh. They're not for me. So... Okay. Go ahead. So, the, everybody... Jump in. Come, this, come on, this is Sarah. This is Sarah, my wife. Hey. <laughs> 
Okay, so he, so here's what here's what I see. So you talk about movies, right? So you can have these sort of the help and the green book and all of these movies that are you know the subject matter is cool, right? Okay, here are things that happen. We never learn about them in history. You don't learn about um, and now of course it's, it's good. thank you. Yes, that exactly it. right. So all of these things who, that's now actually on a Microsoft commercial. So these are not things that we know, and I think we should know about them because there's more to history than Martin Luther King and. Rosa Parks and like the big three, right? You kind of get the Frederick Douglass and then somehow that's enough and you've heard all you need to hear about black history or whatever and... And then, I love okay, how nobody so, ever wants to talk about we, Malcolm X. Well, and how people well, don't seem to, right? Yeah. Or like, let's talk about, right? I mean, there, there's a whole, there's a lot for of sure. it, and for you to, to, for us to be able to say, like, there's just sort of like one facet. It's multifaceted when you're talking about, you know, black girls who want to be quote unquote white mm-hmm. and whatever. You can be any damn way you want to be, right? right? And mm-hmm. there is no one right way to be anybody. So okay, so the so just the movie thing that I'm done. I probably no no. <laughs> so pull up a chair as far as I'm so, concerned. Um, so Spike Lee, right? His his whole was totally overlooked at the Oscars last year for mm-hmm. his for his movie and what one was the Green Book, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have this like very neatly, and even though it sort of addresses in that, I mean, clearly because it's set in the 50s, and so we're allowed to be racist because it was the 50s and it was okay, but. All of these movies that well, feature prominent black actors today are oftentimes either set in a time period where it was okay for them to either, you know, be in this constant state of struggle or something or have not like racism has gone away, but like just that sort of like overt in your face constant racism. And like that's how movies are portrayed, right? So it's either this or if it's not that, it's mo- it's like more of a modern sort of African-American family and then it becomes a quote-unquote black movie and it's market you know what I mean and then now now it's segmented and white people wouldn't go to see it and but you know what I mean so it becomes this weird thing instead of just how about this is just sort of representation of all of us and will and will white people not go to see it or do just producers fear that white people won't go to see it you know what was that movie what men want right so there was that that um Movie, uh, I'm sorry, I'm like, I should have all my names and <laughs> facts. No, and no, right? no. We, so we, we but you know what I'm talking time. about, right? But that was, what? those were black actors in that movie that was a prominently, but it was sort of like a take on, um, a movie that, that was. That yeah. Mel Gibson joint that yeah. everybody loved. Right? I like the movie. So, <laughs> right, well, no, right? So, so it just kind of becomes this, this thing. It's either historical. Mm-hmm. And so somehow we're allowed to get away with the, oh, look how bad it was. And thank God we've got so-and-so here to lift you up and remove a colored sign off the bathroom door. Oh, that was the most irritating part of that film. Oh, thank you. And it did not even happen in real life. Okay, so why didn't you take the whites only sign down? Like, it was so frustrating. Because they made a movie about these black mathematicians and turned it into a movie about this white man who made them equals. Mm -hmm. Like, what about? Is that the NASA movie? Yeah. It was so frustrating. Like, it was so, it was, it was so, it was good to see them in the film showing because I didn't even yes. know they ever existed right? yeah, but it was either. so frustrating that they turned that movie into something Another that savior. it never was yes. yeah, right in so, real life yes so it's like that stuff right mm-hmm. so stuff that I think is important for us to know about right I think that's like right, his, right that 
there were people making significant contributions mm-hmm. to this stuff, and it's our fault for not knowing more about that, right? right? Mm-hmm. And okay, well, so I think I mean on the other hand, I mean, I guess you could argue like I do, I don't know any of the other physicists or mathematicians in that room either. Right. That's not common knowledge. But it's just that right. we, it's like no like one knew. Not, like you would assume like that they were all Caucasians because of yes, you know, men. Like, the times, for that right. Matter, yeah. right? Right. So you you wouldn't even know to think that hey, were there any? Yeah. Was there anybody else there? Right, because our mindset has been so geared towards mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. like becomes a surprise mm-hmm. or a shock mm-hmm. exactly. when, it's, when it's a woman or, you know, a person of color or whatever. And you know, anybody else woman. that isn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which, side note, and, which Jesus crazy. was definitely the black or brown. Because he no has skin of bronze right. and hair of wool. Thank you. Like, what he no wasn't question was a blonde hair, blue eye, white. No. Not no. At all. I ain't saying I know what he was. Well, I know what he was. I'm just saying that they're Middle Eastern. <laughs> he, I know he, he was Jewish. He was from. Yeah, Jewish. he was also yeah. Jewish. Yeah, he was I a black know. Jew. He <laughs> <laughs> was Sammy he was Davis Jr. <laughs> Class I and everything. So. Okay, I, I'm yeah. done. That's all I can say. I know. You're welcome to hop in. That was anyway. That was by far a better half. And the thing I like about the thing I like about that that section more than anything is it proved that. Clearly, Sarah and Lolita could come up with a far more compelling podcast than the two of us can do. Wow. So you two should hook up together That's figure fair. that out. Um, so there's something, uh, you know, another kind of, we've been talking about Hollywood and movies and TV, mm-hmm. but um, actually, and, and, and part of the problem there is there's this sort of white savior th- thing that just permeates the whole, Every the whole everything. So to shift focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. The rap industry, rap and hip hop, mm-hmm. has in a lot of ways been a, a chance for a lot of, at least I think historically, based on what I know, which is a few documentaries, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, my impression is that that has historically over the last 40 years been a, an opportunity for black people to not only make it on their own without the, you know, the aid of some white guy stepping in to produce them, but also by being black, they can make it by really displaying their blackness, if you will, right? I mean, you got groups like, um, no? Okay. I don't like the term displaying their blackness. Okay. Because, again, the things that you hear in rap songs don't necessarily represent blackness. Mm -hmm. Very true, but, you know, if you've got guys like Chuck D out there who is, you know, trying to... Talk about this is right. our life in New York. And right. Yeah, and the, the experiences of those black people mm-hmm. in New York, not necessarily right. blackness. Right, right. Okay, good point. Overall. Right. But they I don't mean, have a monopoly on black people. Right. right, exactly. I guess what I'm what I was trying to say is like they don't feel the need to dampen it like down. conform. They don't feel the, yes. Yeah, I I mean That's what I, I think that was I mean, say. sure. I I'm not a huge rap buff or anything. But um, I'm sure I've you know I've I've seen some stuff and it seems like a place where you know these 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 people and these kids can be who they are and what they want to be and people are more accepting of it. So yeah, yeah, sure. Well, in the nineties, maybe seventy percent <laughs> of hip hop albums were bought by white youth. Yeah. And so it was, it was interesting because I think for a lot of white kids, like definitely true of me, like in elementary school, this is not about me, but in elementary school, I was one of like five white kids in my school. And so it gave me an interesting like view on things when I was coming up. And then I immediately went from like 
elementary school to junior high where like it was like 100% white. And so uh, that was a bit of a change, but... That's funny. I actually had kind of the opposite. I In elementary school, it was maybe like 60, 70% white. And by the time I got to high school, it was probably 60, 70% black. <laughs> yeah, but I was just going to say, like, just, I know I used to love to listen to hip hop. But, like, those songs are, like, I still love to listen to, like, 90s hip hop. But those songs are so problematic in terms of, like, well, sexism and homophobia and, like, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, I still love them, love the songs. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, But, oh. like... It's a it's a nostalgic sort of thing, not sort of an overall like I approve of everything that's being said here. Hey everybody, it's Sarah. Okay, <laughs> if I you're gonna to, talk, you have to come in. I need to amend something that I said before. Oh, yeah. okay. So fact I, check. I just need to do the fact check. <laughs> Mini fact check. No, it's not even that. It's the whole being faced with racism thing. Mm-hmm. Like somehow. Back a long time ago, it was more overt, and I'm not, it didn't mean to imply that it's not overt and prevalent now, but somehow it's just, it's different. Or it's a way. different, it's, a, it's definitely a different kind of racism. Yeah. Cause back then it was okay to push a black man down in the street. Yeah. And today, not, not exactly, it's not. Right, Cause I don't have a badge and a holster. It, it, Oops, girl. Okay, okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Oops. Like, Too it's soon? not, it's no. not like, you know. <laughs> It's right. not like you can just hang a man from a tree and there'll be a mob of people cheering you yeah, on. Right. right. Well. Unless, of course, you know. Yeah, actually, depending you know on your state, I think. But you know what I mean? So, like, in racism it. now, it's like, that, it's like that bias stuff and that hidden bias stuff. And it's the, right. the concept of privilege. It's the concept mm-hmm. of a lot of those kind of things that we think, you know, somehow, oh, well... Um, civil rights happened, so and Obama was president, so racism's oh, all gone now, yeah. right? And so, the, like these kind of things, right? Where we have this, it's sort of like you know, culturally, it's okay, and mm-hmm. and so I, I just want to say I recognize that that's not the case, and the fact that mm-hmm. I even have to say that and explain myself is a whole crazy thing too. But um, okay, so CEOaction.com is a website that has some really amazing diversity and inclusion stuff on it. And Procter and Gamble, believe it or not, so I don't know a whole lot about their company, their stance, or their things, but they put out a video called The Talk. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah. It is to tough. Watch. It is tough. It's one of those things that we always kind of just like, should we facilitate this somewhere? I'm like, I yeah. don't feel qualified to do that. But it is one of these videos where, and it is just. Um, Can you describe the you, video? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's. Great podcast content right yes, there. Yes, yes. So, so I would highly recommend watching it. So basically, and it you it need is to watch kind it through. Yeah, it is way it. more impactful. Uh, it listen, it's sort just of like walk, parents yeah. through like the 50s, 60s, 70s, and now having that talk with their children. At some point, you are going to be called something mm-hmm. not right you recall the n-word maybe or you were going to get pulled over driving your car for doing my nothing. dad had that talk with me a few years like it was like maybe five years ago and he gave me this little Real. card and it's like what to do if you're pulled over yeah. and i keep it in my car like even now i just i just in yeah. my car See. and he's like because and and because he was worried and he felt like he needed to you know Look tell me little girl. how to be safe yeah if i get pulled over and I did get pulled over. And it's crazy to think that, like, it's it was, like, the middle of the night and I was by myself. And mm. the fear that I felt was, like, super real. Because prob- statistically, like, probably it's going to just be fine. You're going to take it. ticket. But there's that chance, yeah. that very real yeah. chance, that it could go very south. It, so, and can we, what I was going to say is, like, can we talk about for a minute how, in this specific case, when you're dealing with police, 
Code switching can be a matter of life and death. Yeah, for some it's people. yes, sir, no, sir. You tell me what to do, and I do it. And I'm just, I just want to walk away the same way I got here. And I can tell you, like as a as a white dude, that experience is completely foreign to me. Right. No well, one ever so ever had so. It, it wasn't a, even with a privilege, right? If yeah. you, the fact that we never had that talk with Alex is instant privilege, and whether you think it is or not, and this whole idea of what is privilege. It's the fact that your dad gave you a card on how to be safe uh-huh. in your driving, and that never even crossed my mind for two seconds to give my son when he was driving, right? And that's the difference right there, that we don't have to think about it. That's the privilege. Yep. The only okay. card I, like extra card besides my license and insurance, right, that I've ever pulled out in a traffic stop is an FOP card. Like, <laughs> that's some privilege right there. FOP? I love those cards. Family of police? Yes, yes. Friend or friend, whatever. But there were fraternal yeah. order. Like I, I got some as payment for doing a magic show at a police thing once. And, I have one of those female um, body inspector cards. <laughs> oh, those so are valuable. That has never helped me at a traffic stop. <laughs> no, but it's helpful in other situations. I have not found one yet, but <laughs> I imagine that they're out there. So it wasn't even that long ago. It was uh, 2015 in Cleveland that we had. There was a, a shooting. Um, police shot 137 times and, uh, like two people in this car were killed. It was a chase, it was a car chase, and it went from there to there, and then when they got them, they they lit them up. I'm not sure if this is the same one, but there was, there was another one where I think like 47 bullets were shot, and the guy legally had a firearm, like he had his, uh, concealed carry, he had all his paperwork, Mm -hmm. everything was done correctly, the officer came and said, you know, do you have a weapon? He said, yes officer, I have a weapon. And I don't know if it escalated past that or what else happened, but that that guy legally had a firearm and got shot. Like they they I, up the. I, I think know, I would 40, call that an escalation. No, no, I don't know if there was any like verb verb. I don't know if they said anything else. I I would have to look deeper into the story to see like what the more details of it were. But I mean, that's you know a legally carried firearm. And he got shot like something like forty-two or forty-seven times. They shot through the vehicle. Like, and so I mean, the, sometimes even with when it comes to police, even code, you know, code switching and following those rules still isn't enough. It doesn't enough. matter. Like Philando Castile did everything right. Mm-hmm. He did everything right, and he still did. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it does. You can literally do everything that you're supposed to do. You can go above and beyond what you're supposed to do, and. You can still end up dead. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think police have gotten exactly what they wanted in that I think a lot of us have become desensitized because I have to, like, think about Castillo. Which one was that? He was because in, like, Minnesota, to be fair, I think. To he be was fair, the school lunch. a lot of y'all can be desensitized mm-hmm. because it's not something I think that's fair. that yeah. we cannot think of. Like, I, I, I can recall the events. Of that story right now, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not something that I forget. Tamir Rice, he's not someone I forget. Sandra mm-hmm. Blanche, he's not someone I forget. These are people that we think about all the time because, like, they could be you, they could be your mother, your brother, your sister. I mean, Tamir Rice was twelve, like, and that wasn't even like far. And that was from, in no, was Cleveland. Cleveland. Was right that here. was, it was right downtown. Yeah. So it's just like I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not something that we become desensitized to ever. It's and it's hard to know like what to do. This is this is the thing that always 
pissing me off about people who will bitch about the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like, this is a group of people who's literally just fighting for their lives. They're saying, don't shoot us. And you have a problem with that? What the f*** are you talking about? I think it's because for so long, there have been classes of people for whom everything mattered for. And there have been other classes of people for whom they did not matter at all. So there were Black Lives Matters protests in Cleveland, like downtown. I don't, yeah. I don't know that they're still uh, doing anything. Um, but I it mean, was like a few years ago, yeah. and they they like blocked off the streets. They had yeah. like you know just massive people, mm-hmm. um, you know, blocking traffic and stuff. I don't know this for sure. I I want to say that there was something in Cleveland where it had turned violent. I think that there was a some jackass Am who I was like driving into the crowd or yeah. like that happened. I think in Cleveland. Yeah. I think he was like, "I'm gonna drive over you if you don't get out of the road." But it wasn't like I think you're thinking of the protests in was it South Carolina or North Carolina or something. You're talking, not talking about Charlottesville. Yeah, is that not what you're talking about? Oh no, about? Charlotte, that, Charlottesville. Yeah, there was, where, was that one. Well, he he did run he, into, he the crowd into the and crowd. He killed that lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, but I, I, um, I like. I feel like now because immediately I was like Heather Heyer like I knew her name off the top of my head because <laughs> she's white god I hope not <laughs> I don't know I don't know who she is but anyway no that she's, was she's that the was the woman who was killed in Charlottesville, Charlottesville. okay but I don't she know was a white woman. but okay there you go so. so I don't know if that is why you said that no I, I didn't know oh. if she was or not. <laughs> oh, I thought you did, though. No, I, I had no oh. idea. I, I, I kind of assumed, but... Yeah. That was the Robert E. Lee statue. Right. Um, that was that was the thing where... So that wasn't there necessarily were Black Lives Matter. There are people... Find people, people on both sides. sides. Yeah, find people on yeah. both sides. That's Clearly. Well, I watched this talk show called The Real, and this woman, she said something <laughs> oh, yeah. the other day that really got to me. She said... What did she say? She said... Um, once you create equality, supremacy does not exist. And I think that that is something that bothers a lot of people for whom supremacy or privilege has always been the norm. Mm-hmm. And so when you try to, when you try to insert yourself into that conversation, when you try to create that equality and, and, and rid, even if it's just your little small circle of that, like, sort of oppression, it, it is, I, I like, I honestly, I'm not saying I can't, I, I appreciate it, but I understand the fear that like these, these, these white men feel about, you know, losing something that they've always had. Sure. I mean, I can, I can, I can see it. Not that right. I, uh, not that I respect it, <laughs> There's but a, I see it. Can I ask who said, who was it that said that? I was Amanda Seals. And I think the, the interesting thing about that is like, you have the people who know they have a thing mm-hmm. and they're afraid to lose it. But, but they also don't want to admit that they have that thing. Exactly. And it's like, you can't, you can't, like that rally that those little, that those little Caucasian gentlemen did and they were chanting, we will not be replaced. Like, mm-hmm. bruh, there is not a single chance oh. of you being replaced. You just don't know, you don't want anybody else to sit at the table. Well, and like, honestly, that rally was to like, it, like if they held up the signs, like, People of color, please stop procreating. Don't is have that, more babies. Is that the same, uh, the Robert E. Lee statue where they were chanting that? that was that? different. That was different. Yeah, okay. Because this was like so, college kids somewhere. Okay. And I can, okay. for a lot of this stuff, I can throw in fact checks yeah. if I can find the information. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. Welcome back to Fact Check. Did you miss me? 
Lolita was referring to a protest of the University of Virginia the night before the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, August 12th of 2017. The rally that left Heather Heyer dead when a white nationalist ran his car into a crowd of counter-protesters. The timing, however, almost doesn't matter for this chant because the same chant was used during the rally the next day and is a common chant used among racists. So, f*** those people. And now, back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So the, there's another quote that I, I think encapsulates sort of that, that other fl- that flip side of your quote there, mm-hmm. which is, uh, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. It, because it, for them, it, it, it really is. Because they have never experienced what actual oppression is. Or right. actual equality. Or what, <laughs> anything but the privilege that they've so always they, had. Yeah, I, I always They're like, losing privilege. Exactly. There's no doubt about it, but that's good. But they don't, but they don't want to. And if you yeah. think about it, can you blame them? Like, I mean, not, like, it sucks. Like, they're, they're not great people. But, like, can you blame anyone who's had, like, like, Those let's say that I've been rich my whole life, right? And then somebody wants to take some of my money and give it to poor people. Yeah, that's a good cause or whatever. But, like, <laughs> I still want my money. Right. But <laughs> that's basically like, the this idea. Is, this is what the whole, like, Make America Great Again movement is. Like, all right, Make, make America, America Great. Again. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I was hoping we couldn't get there. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you knew we were again. getting there. But, <laughs> but we are. But no, so not about Trump specifically, but that slogan in particular yeah. is, yes, if you are a white man yes. and you're no longer in the 1950s, your your you're, life you're is not America. better than it was before. Mm-hmm. For literally everybody else, mm-hmm. not as worse. Right. right. Not great. But not and I'll, I'll go so far as to say it's better. I mean, let's let's be honest. Right. Like my parents and my grandparents. I mean, my I think my great my great grandparents were slaves. So right. it's definitely an improvement. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's, it's that's intense, though. To be, I mean, yeah. to yeah. say something like that, like mm-hmm. for I mean, I have no idea how that feels to know that like you're not that distant relative. Yeah, my, it was my great. It was either my great-grandparents Damn. or my great-great-grandparents. Like, my grandpa, he, like, he had a lot of land in Atlanta, and it had been passed on in our family from, you remember the, like, when when slaves were freed, and they gave them 40, acres and, a, 40 acres and a mule. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's yep, where we got our land from, is from that, you know. Wow. The people no who that was actually Reparations. Right. No shit. But the thing that I always like to think about to to, like, sort of put how long ago slavery was, they're literally... Audio recordings of old people who had grown, like been slaves mm-hmm. in the Library of Congress. Like audio recordings, like the ability to make an audio recording existed while slaves were alive, and we have people like reflecting on their lives on audio recordings. Like mm-hmm. this shit is—it's not ancient history. No, like people like to think that. Like it, like Sarah was talking about how everything's like, oh, we're all good. Yeah. Right. So we're talking about like like eighteen fifties. Is that correct? Something like that. I'd have so, to. Uh, this is going to definitely like be a fact check. Seventy years. I might even splice in a little bit of that audio recording. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. Time to sleep. Time. I can remember when. Uh, I can remember when. The Yankees come through, 
And uh, they carried my father away and carried away my two sisters and one brother. And uh, they left me, and I can remember when my mistress used to run in the garden, upon the Yankees, and tell us if they come, don't tell them where they're at. So don't tell nobody where they're at when they come. And they all come and told me, don't get scared now and tell them where they, where they is. I told them no. We told them no. And uh, when they come and ask for them, I told them I didn't know where they were. And they was in the woods. And they was at the house. And my father, when my father left, he carried, with the, he went away with the Yankees and carried two had two two girls and one son, the oldest one, had them with him, and the big Yankees. And I can remember that. And welcome back to Fact Check. That was Alice Gaston of Gee's Bend, Alabama, recorded in 1941. The Library of Congress has recordings of 23 former slaves telling stories about their lives of slavery from the 1870s to the 1930s and beyond. It also includes recollections, songs that they learned while they were slaves. It is absolutely worth listening to. Uh, There's more than you could possibly get through. I'll include a link to listen to these recordings in the show notes, along with links of several other pieces we've mentioned. The Procter & Gamble video called The Talk that Sarah referred to before, the Key & Peel sketch, uh, a number of different things. Those will all be in the show notes for you to listen to. There's one last thing I'd uh, like to say to put the time of slavery in perspective. I'd like to tell you about a man named Sylvester McGee. Sylvester lived to be 130 years old, and he fought in the Civil War. He once gave a print interview about his part in the assault on Vicksburg, Mississippi. Quote, I was 22 years old, and all I had ever known was plowing, scraping, and picking cotton, sawing logs, and doing other things on a farm. But 382 blacks and 500 whites were given long-barreled rifles, many of them in the same boat as me. One poor white boy cried most of the time. I tried to comfort him, telling him he hadn't done nothing to nobody, and the good Lord wouldn't just let nothing happen to him, but he cried right on. Sylvester died in 1971. 1971. He was live when disco was getting started. Think about that when you think about how long ago slavery was. And now, back to the show. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. Right here. (laughs) But, I mean, 170 years in the the life of a nation is, like, that's very new. Like, that's not... America is a long time at all. Not even 250 years old. Right. We're a very young nation. And if we're not even talking about slavery, just like the civil rights movement, like my parents grew up in the civil rights movement. Not my grandparents, my my mother and my father. (laughs) Like they were like, they were, they were there when Malcolm X got assassinated, when Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King got assassinated. Like they were alive and they remember it. Like something crazy that like, I think Martin Luther King and Frank and someone else that I can't remember who were all born in the same year. Yeah. Betty like, White. Betty White, I think. Betty White. Diane Sawyer. What? Diane Sarah, Sawyer. Sarah That's says right. Diane Sawyer. Thank you. Thank you. Barbara Walters. Yeah, Barbara Walters. There you go. Whatever. It's four different people in there. So let me just start over. We need to record with Sarah in the next room all the time. <laughs> yeah, have our instant Live fact, fact check. Right. Just like, bam. 
I don't even worry about starting over. Right? Right. Like this is all. So um, yeah. Uh, so so Martin Luther King and Anne Frank and Barbara Walters of sixty second sixty seconds sixty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> which is the really short. Barbara yeah. Walters, famous movie Gone in sixty seconds. Right. <laughs> um, all born in the same year. So I mean, this is not. You know, you think about the Holocaust as like being oh, just so. It's not even a century ago. Mm-hmm. Um, civil rights movement was a generation ago. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is not just history. This is really still a part of our present, a part of our world. Right? Because these people it's, are so like these right. People, like my father's love and kicking. <laughs> like, it's yeah. almost like rich and powerful people try and tell people to get over their shit when they're trying <laughs> to pacify a big group of people. Yeah. So, yeah, so almost this, like that. Almost. To say that we've we've come really far, do you think there's a risk of complacency? Do you think that there's a risk of people saying, "Well, you know, we've we've come this far, so like, like it's we, far enough. That's <laughs> right. probably far enough. We yeah, have we enough rights. Right. We don't need to worry about it, or like it's right. not, we don't need to improve it anymore. There's still oh. a lot. Like I think the case we're making is there's still a lot more that could be done. There's a lot more that should be done. Should right. be done. Mm-hmm. It's like. Insanely difficult, but also simple. It's equality. Like, that's all. But it's, it's not our... that simple, though, because systematic racism is like a whole thing, and it's like it's not something that you can just eradicate. But that's what I'm saying. It's difficult. It's figure. insanely difficult. It's, it's but the solution is like we can all picture that. I feel I think. like there will be, and I hate being gross and morbid like this, but I think there will be a huge boost in that. Republicans are dying when, when, well, when racists are dying off, right? A lot of same deal. Uh, there's plenty of young racists that are going to continue living for a while, but a, a, a huge chunk of those racists are dying soon, hopefully, and that might help mm. a little bit. I, I think time is helping, but I don't think that time is the only no, thing. no, no. Because and also, I don't want to like sit around and wait for people to die. That's a, not really it's a great a, movie. You're saying you want to go out and kill people? Yes. Okay. Take mm-hmm. action, people. <laughs> wow. Why, um, how do we accidentally for, advocate violence for the case episode? of uh, for, for the NSA? I do not mean that. We can we are not on board. Can we uh, can we probably cut out that whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> mini fact check. No, Pat. No, we can't. Mini fact check. Um, but all right. So, so we've talked a little bit about the workplace and how, uh, for a lot of black people, you have to code switch. You have to kind of change that dialect over in order to fit in in a workplace. Mm-hmm. And I think what isn't being said there is white people don't have to do that. White people don't apply to a, a black owned business and change their dialect that so that they bad. can fit. That would be, so, be so bad, bad. right? Yeah. So why is it like no one blinks twice about you ha- having to change how you speak to go work at Menor? Right. People don't blink an eye. Right. But if I were to, you know, mm-hmm. that's well, a little bit. It's, it's you, 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 y'all, I don't Yeah, well, because like we're in power. No, it's okay. Y'all, because it's not the three of you. But, but like, but still, like, but people who look like Let's you. be honest. We are still white, and we still get <laughs> all of the, those benefits. I got that all that like, white privilege. I, <laughs> the people they've created yeah. these, and these spaces have been created for them. Mm-hmm. So if we want to join these spaces, then we have to, you know, you know, emulate the people whom these mm-hmm. spaces were created for. Right. So there's always there's been, um, his, and, and over the last 40, 50 years, there's been a lot of a lot of push 
for communities to kind of, right. you know, for black people to start their right. own businesses right. and stuff. And right. I think that it sounds great on the surface. But well, we shouldn't have to. Like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a necessary requirement for us to have a job. Like, <laughs> right. And, and furthermore, I, I, I have a bit of an issue with the fact that that continues this sort of segregation. It kind of funnels black I don't, I don't think econ- economics into those black businesses because but that's a, that's not a bad thing which, though because I mean, to, and I mean at the same like we're still the minority in this country so mm-hmm. even if that didn't that's happen very close to changing but it ain't it's not yeah <laughs> I, so but like even if even if hypothetically these mm-hmm. black businesses funneled in black dollars from black communities I mean. Like, Target's still finna get their money. Like, it ain't like... Right. Yeah. A, a lot of yeah. it's going overseas. Like, a lot of it's right. going to... Sam so, Walton I mean, it's or... not gonna be the black people spending money on black businesses who throw the economy in chaos. No, no, that's not what I meant. Um, I, then, all, I miss, then I misinterpreted. <laughs> well, um, because, a little bit, um, we are right now, we have this problem in America where there's neighborhoods that are black neighborhoods or white neighborhoods and that problem i think is has has been exacerbated over the last 40 50 years and continues to be in a large part because of this sort of mentality among white people of well if you don't like the way we do it go do it your own way and i think you're forgetting though that when we when we make the distinction between black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods we're also making a distinction between rich neighborhoods and poor neighborhoods yep so the problem isn't that like black people really want to live around other black people it's that they can't afford to live anywhere else Mm -hmm. like i mean i i i I dare you to name a wealthy black community exactly i can't i I mean, let's be real. Like, That's come on out. <laughs> absolutely on point. There's got to be some, right? I mean, this is like I double dog. This is very dare troubling you. me now. I have no fucking clue. Especially um, in Cleveland, like it well. is like for like no, no, not well because I I live in Ohio City and yeah. it's nothing but a bunch of rich white folks. I am me and my husband are the only black people for miles around. <laughs> Really? Okay, it's just me and him. We're the only black people we see uh, outside. We live by a high school. And so we see the kids who go to the high school. They don't live in that neighborhood. Hmm. There are no black people in my neighborhood. And there are houses. The house three doors down from me is is listed for sale for $600,000 right now. Damn. And you don't think that has something to do with the fact that there ain't no black people in my neighborhood? <laughs> oh, I believe it 100%. I mean, this is... there's There's been... I mean, if you want to get into... And, and, I don't know all the details, but like, this is what I was alluding to is, is there, there's actually like laws in place that, there that are really, ex- like, they, they, they blow this problem up. That, that you can't discriminate on, uh, race for like, for rentals and mm-hmm. for, uh, like, realtors can't do that. But those laws. No, no, no. I imagine mean, there's laws in place laws. that, that reinforce that seg- segregation. Oh, that okay. Keep, Can you explain that? Yeah. They keep black people poor and, and white people rich. There's laws about um and again this is something that i don't have something that i wanted to do for another for an episode down the road but i haven't actually done all the full research on Mm -hmm. but i've heard other you know i've heard plenty of other people talking about this there's there's laws from um basically from the civil rights act on there have been laws and some are like local some are state some a few are federal but that essentially they price poor people out of not being poor Right, you can't afford to not be poor anymore. Can you and, explain that? I don't know what you mean either. Uh, 
Let me. Maybe I did take, not. I was not prepared take, to like, go into this. Two minutes and yeah, uh, and come back to this. I wasn't really. So oh, so you mean so you like like for example like food stamps. Like, if you make too much money, you're no longer eligible for food stamps or something, but then um, you don't have enough, or, like, Medicare. Kind of, yeah. Those kind of things. Like, so programs it, like that, if you make too much money, you can't get them, but then you don't make enough money to, like, pay for your own health care. Well, that, okay, so for... really legit. Here we go. Here's one example. So, redlining. Have you heard oh, of yeah. redlining? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, I haven't heard of anything. So. Okay, the redlining, and I'm just going to read right off of Wikipedia for the sake of simplicity right sure. now. Um, redlining is the systematic denial of various services to residents of specific, often racially associated neighborhoods or communities, either directly or through the selective raising of prices. Essentially, you know, Lolita's talking about this house that's $600,000 mm-hmm. listing price. Mm-hmm. Um, and those areas that are predominantly white raise the price, raises the, the market value mm-hmm. of those properties. Right. So that those poor people who are trying to get out of that urban environment and try to move maybe to the suburbs or something, they just right. can't afford it. And no matter how, what they do, it's, they're always priced out. That's right. just one example. So in the last Democratic debate, they were talking about median wealth for African-American families versus uh, white families. And I just looked this up on – it's on AmericanProgress.org. In 2016, which are the last numbers they have – the medium wealth of a white family was $142,180. The median wealth of a black family was $13,460. That is Jesus. 9.5% of what the medium wealth is Holy for a white fuck. family. And that's because there are a lot of poorer African-American families and communities. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they probably bring that number like way down. Like, like way down. But that's a, but it doesn't make the number any yeah, less valuable. If anything, crazy. more valuable at right. that point. So it's hard to make that argument that like pull yourself up by your bootstraps argument right. when literally nine point five percent on average. It's insane. So I'm trying to look up a few other um, types of housing issues, and there's. I mean, one of the that I've heard about is that a lot of people will buy up houses. Like, for example, I used to... The neighborhood I live in now, I also lived in when I was a kid. When I was a kid, like, there were other black people. Like, they, were, they just were. But then, like, some... But, like, we all rented our houses. So, like, like people came in and they bought up all those properties and then, you know, we had to leave. And then they priced them the rent so high that we couldn't afford to move back. So I think that's a lot of... That's something that, like, I think happens a lot is that, like... Because, like... I mean, some of these houses, I don't even know who owns these places. Like, they're just owned by, like, corporations and stuff. Like, I was reading this article, and it's like, like, you, they just, you know, corporations, they come in, and they buy all these homes, and they buy these people out. Like, my neighborhood was so different when I was a kid. Like, and it's so gentrified now. It's I mean, I love where I live, but, like, it was so different. This the gentrification of neighborhoods is, is another issue that I've been hearing about that where... Um, what'll happen, and this is probably exactly what happened in your neighborhood. Yeah, there's, it's seen as, this is actually becoming a big issue with people of our generation, even, um, who aren't trying to be, have a, like a negative racial effect, but they do. These, like, kind of younger white people, trendy, call them hipsters if you will mm-hmm. and they want to go live where it's like trendy and cool where where the woke people live right mm-hmm. 
So they want to go live around black people, basically. So they right. buy up these houses in Ohio City that they mm-hmm. can find for cheap, and they. Right. But they're they still want to do they want right. to go do white people right. things, so to speak. And the, like you have all these like little restaurants, like there's exactly. like forty five restaurants everywhere. But then little like mom and pop places that were there when like I was a kid are gone, like the mm-hmm. ice cream shop. And there's this little hardware store, like all these little places are gone, yeah. replaced by these like hipster. Bars where they play video games. The, the damn mustaches. <laughs> oh, the mustaches. Oh, like, I love just, them too. I, oh no, no, not the take I was Andy, going for. But Andy, stop talking about how much you love those mustaches. <laughs> Unbelievable. Soup catcher. Um. So anyway, um, there was actually something else that I wanted to kind of dig into here, mm-hmm. which is where I was kind of going actually with the the workplace differential, which is actually taken all the way back to young childhood in preschools and elementary schools, because this is where a lot of that standard is set, essentially. Mm-hmm. The teachers say, no, you have to talk this way. The, the white kids who talk that way anyway, they continue to. Mm-hmm. They don't have any need at all to adjust or, or be flexible in their language. Yeah. The black kids, however, are basically right. forced to learn this new, call it a separate dialect. I, I prefer that term. I don't know if that's annoying anybody. No, dialect, but, I mean, that's accurate. Um, and so right from, you know, four, three, four, five years old, this is taught as just the way things are. This is how you speak, mm-hmm. not what you hear at home. I mean, I don't know if you I ever didn't experienced really have that, experience that. Because my parents were actually like, they were like, they bought us the phonics game for fun. Like, we weren't allowed to speak the way we spoke with our little friends at our house. Like, my mom, her favorite thing was ain't, ain't a word. Like, every, like if we didn't pronounce the T at the end of a word, she would act like she didn't hear us. That's the exact kind of mom joke I love. <laughs> did, did you run into problems with your uh, peer group of, like... That you might have gotten accused of not yeah. being black enough. Yeah, sometimes, because like I was always, like I was always a good writer, and I always, you know, I would enunciate because that's what my mother made me do, or I wasn't allowed to speak to her. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like especially like people would always tell me that you sound like a white girl on the phone, oh. and it was so irritating because I was like, like I felt like like I wanted to be blacker, so like like I started. <laughs> like I started cursing more <laughs> because I thought that that would make me blacker. Oh, did it I work? was so ridiculous. No, <laughs> like it was just it was it was frustrating for me because yeah. like I you know like in my house this wasn't the I, I didn't talk like that because my parents wouldn't have it. So like with my friends it was like you know sometimes they like you know made fun of us and then we were we were also like we were also Hindu. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was interesting for me in, in like elementary school and stuff because it wasn't so much an issue with my blackness. It was like my religion because I had to wear a headscarf, but I had these, my, I had this, I had this fourth grade teacher and she was this big blonde hair, blue eyed white lady. And she would try to make me take my headscarf off every single day. Every single day she would try to make me take it off. And I'm like, I can't because like it was me and another girl. She was, she was Muslim, but we both had to wear headscarves and she mm-hmm. Always try to make us take them off. And like, I mean, I would because I was like seven or eight or something. Like, I was just the You really get a lot of teachers that do it. Yeah, right. But let me tell you, my mother, (laughs) she came to that school and she, ooh, she couldn't have raised more. mm. 
Uh, she never said nothing about my scarf again. Well, that's that's <laughs> like a se- a separation of church and state issues. Like that's like she was she made it Supreme like you court could, issues. You couldn't wear a hat inside. I'm like, girl, this is not what's happening here. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Supreme Court would tell her something about that. Yeah, it was. So well, I mean, like, maybe. <laughs> but we maybe. have. I mean, there's this guy last year who wasn't able. And again, this is gonna need need to be was a fact came? check. Uh, it was a high school student who was wasn't able to get his diploma. Because oh, he had yeah. Oh, mini fact check. DeAndre Arnold, a high school senior at Barbers Hill High School, in January of 2020, was suspended from school after a rule change over winter break made the length of his hair that he'd worn for eight years against the rules. DeAndre's choices were to cut his hair or face an in-school suspension and not be able to walk for graduation, although he would have received his diploma. DeAndre's hair is a tribute to his Trinidadian roots. Mini fact check. Yeah. That's right now. Like, oh, no, it's so California just passed a an anti-discrimination law yeah. against people with natural hair. Mm-hmm. Like, just you right. do, and especially, you know, and that was like, I feel like dreads are always like the topic of conversation. Like, white people really don't like dreads. Like, they always oh, well, except for the ones who do. The right. Question for you: what, uh, White people with dreads, cultural appropriation? Listen, obnoxious. I'm not gonna get <laughs> just <into> gross. <laughs> One of those three. I, I mean. Locks are they're they're a cultural expression. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I don't know that it comes. I don't know where they originated, but I don't think it was Black America. So I think they're they are definitely a cultural expression. So I mean, <laughs> I suppose my answer is that it is some form of cultural. I don't like the term cultural appropriation. Oh, it's, I think a lot of people don't. I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't because I think it's. I can appreciate cross culture when someone wants to appreciate another person's culture. I I don't I I honestly I don't know what cultural appropriation means, but I imagine it's more like it's taking something taking from something someone else's and, culture and, and taking saying it as that it's your own. I don't know. That's what that's. I don't know that that's what people would draw. They're well, you know, they're not saying they created dreadlocks. No, no. But I no. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, like that's like saying you know white girls can't get French braids, like or box braids, or like you know what I mean. Like one of my like, favorite. I don't know. When I was in high school, um, and I went to Cleveland Heights, right. which you teach at now, and yeah. I think the makeup was pretty similar, even though yeah. the building is completely different. I was on the swim team, and as part of the swim team, at the end of the year, there's this whole thing where we dye our hairs and shave it off because. For the end of the the big meet at the end of the year, we want to be as aerodynamic or water dynamic. Yeah, hydrodynamic as possible. Um, is I believe the technical term. But she you know, wanted us to a point. We want yes, we wanted to be able to move, be as slippery as possible in the water, essentially. So, um, so what we did, you know, we're high schoolers, so we just had a little bit of fun with it as we were getting ready to shave our heads. I would dye our hair and do foo. Fooky, funky, or kooky hairstyles, one or the other. I know that I had at least one year, I don't remember, uh, I definitely had cornrows, like going all around. Like I just had somebody in class sit behind me. Um, I can't even remember who now. Right. I was like, hey, cornrow me if you're bored in class. She's like, hell yeah. I looked really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I, I looked really imagine. stupid. But you know what? Whatever. I was like 14, so. I don't, I mean, that's not, that's, it's. It's a little different, right? It's, it's just sort fine. of. Hey. I don't, there's nothing wrong with like people doing these things. What's what's irritating is when they try to make it seem like like they created them. I uh, 
I had steps shaved in the side of my head when I was like 13 because I loved MC Hammer. Nice. So that is way more embarrassing, I think. Did so you have the pants? We don't have somebody here that is like a, a big like cultural appropriation like viewpoint person. Right. So we kind of have to imagine what they're like complaining about. But right. I, I mean, think the cornrows would be something yeah. that they would be like would, you having cornrows yes. would be something it's they not, would complain about. It's yes. not great. Potentially. It's, probably, like if you did it tomorrow, if you like came next week and had cornrows in your hair, we'd probably want to have a conversation. Well, yeah, I, I mean, really I don't see context a is everything, but with like, it though. Like, I, I think that that whole cool. cultural appropriation, like I don't know that that's a Thing. I mean, I it's, know plenty it, of white guys I mean, who can pull off cornrows. I think like, that people have just been playing it fast and loose with the term, and so mm, it's become mm, something that's like watered down. Sure. And now we just throw that word out everywhere, and it has less meaning. It's definitely a thing. Andy having cornrows in high school was not cultural appropriation. Okay, <laughs> then I don't. Maybe I, think, I don't actually know what. Well, it is. Well, part of the context I think that matters there is that I was a teenage kid, like yeah. just yeah. being goofy, right? As opposed to like I'm there was never any sort of, and it was like yeah. so. I saw this some uh-huh. fashion thing, and they they did them. It was like white models, and they did their hair, and they were just like braids, but they like called them something, and they were like in the article, it was like somebody's you know making waves. This new style called something stupid that they created <laughs> to just it was just box braids though, like that's what it was. They just took they it, just took it, it gave it a new name, and yeah. gave this person credit for doing it. Okay, so that that sounds that's a lot different like to me general history actually. Sarah, <laughs> like, I think would like to say something. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if our audience understands. Do you guys even know what box braids are? Maybe not. Okay. I yeah, don't think they're so going to reply to you. Clarification on on maybe what that is. It's um. So I know what it is because okay. I because I learned <laughs> okay. because I don't I've never had them, but I've learned. But I just think like you right? should. I knew exactly. Maybe what I can play And I've seen that, and I would like, and we've had this conversation. I would no sooner come in with twists in my hair right. or box braids because it just want it would just it's just not right. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, like, it's not, not that it's wrong, but like, but but, but certainly and it's, don't and then like, go and rename these, it these something. These kinds of braids are for people who have you know like like you know textured style so that it protects their hair. Y'all don't need right, it's a, different. a yeah. protective... What you... You're going to yeah. protect. Like, okay, so the box okay. part of the braid it's is the way it's put in. It's, right, right, it's there. not like the braid bigger, itself. Bigger. is the way it's put in. Uh-huh. I'd like so to remind like, you both that we are in an audio medium yes. here, so you putting in <laughs> a picture <laughs> yeah. is not helpful for the audience. So it's... In their defense, you're the one who helped right the picture. With this, right? it's, it's the way the braid is put in. Right. So like the the part that's right. put in around the braid makes a box or sometimes it'll be a triangle or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. But so it's, it not, it's not it's not like hair? it's not like the braid itself, it's the way it's, it's put the way into it's your hair. And then it's like added hair. Like that's yeah. like just added braid right. hair. But essentially the the models had like these kinds of braids and they called it some fancy new name and gave credit to this fancy hair person who literally <laughs> Ooh, is a thief. Yeah. <laughs> right. That yeah. is cultural that's appropriation. Okay. That I feel like that's a I'm huge that. different thing than For sure. Andy wearing cornrows. Yeah. Not well, that I approve of that. <laughs> right. Of Let's you with clear. cornrows. Is that <laughs> just, just a personal thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just personal. because you don't like me. I don't like you with cornrows. <laughs> you don't know, you've never seen. <laughs> I I can guess. <laughs> No. 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 Absolutely not, sir. Uh, For for the listeners, I just started to pull my hair back to try to give the image. And I I think it's just, you know. If it it helps, my hair was like bright red at the time. Like the color of your t-shirt. Why would that help? It doesn't, again, in audio medium. Because (laughs) I'm trying to make it not, make people not hate me. No one's going to hate you. Mm. That's fine. 
<laughs> not he's a dick. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just saying. Probably some people hate you, but not about this. Just different things. <laughs> so I I hesitate to bring us anyway. back to cinema, but like in cinema, there's like Dances with Wolves and The Last Samurai are like two movies where like. A, a white guy goes into an Indian cult, uh, Indian culture in Dances with Wolves and a Japanese culture in The Last Samurai. And he, like, becomes the best ever samurai. Like, you know, the, the white savior sort of movies. Right. And, like, maybe that is what right. I ha- have a problem with when you're talking about, like, cultural appropriation. Like, not only was he capable of becoming a samurai. Well, he mm-hmm. became better than all the other actual right. samurai. Yeah, this white samurai <laughs> became the best samurai right. ever. Right. Um... I don't know if that's the same thing as cultural appropriation, but that's, I mean, that's another thing. I don't, I mean, it's definitely not a great thing. Yeah. And I, 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 and especially, I was, it was some movie, I think it was like about like Attila the Hunt or some movie that came out, Mm. but I think it was like Leonardo DiCaprio or something played the main character who was like supposed to be an Asian man. Right. (laughs) That's it. Oh, but then, right, no one has any issues with, well, no white people have any issues issues with that. Right, the white people are like, oh no, that's fine because he's Matt Damon and you just cast him in a movie or Leonardo DiCaprio or whoever. Oh, it was about about China and like the... But God forbid, God forbid you give a character that was, should have been white to a... Oh, anyway. Black or so brown I'm, actor. I'm very excited because the, uh, they lose their damn minds. I'm sorry to bring us back to cinema. No, but uh, so High Fidelity with woman. John Cusack. I love that movie. They've just remade it for Hulu, and they've replaced John Cusack with uh, Zoe Deschanel. No. Oh, no. Uh, is she black? Hold on. She is black. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana is like a Gamora. Also, no. uh, Kravitz. Zoe. Really? Zoe, Zoe Kravitz, Kravitz is playing his so character. And so, like, it's it's that? very cool. I haven't heard any pushback from it, because also it's on Hulu, so who the hell cares? But I will definitely be watching that that show, and I think it's an interesting yeah. choice. I'm sure there are some angry Caucasians. Uh, so, like, oh, there's that's, always. That's the one with the, the speaker box on top of his head, the giant kiss movie? No, that's a different one. Uh, High Fidelity is where he owns a record, record shop. shop and makes, like, top five lists for everything, oh, including, okay. like, Girlfriends he's had in the past, okay. or breakups, or whatever. I don't think I've seen that one. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple other kind of questions for you before we wrap up. So one is, what can people do to to help make code switching less problematic? I think the, the the one thing that we are looking for is inclusivity. So it's just you know like hire some some people who aren't white. <laughs> like make me feel like like I got a friend in here. <laughs> like, that is such a, such a good humble request. Like I mean, but you got. I mean, I mean, like, like you know, it's not the same woman, there, right? no. but it's just and. It's a what person if, that we know. What if, your, what if your coworker came in with cornrows? Would that make you feel more at home? I no, uh, not. no, no, okay. it's not. That's, no, Andy, stop trying to do that. I no. just want to help. It's just you know, it's just you know, you just want to feel like like you're not the only one of you. Like when I started college, I went to Bowen Wallace for like mm. twenty minutes because <laughs> I was the only black person in my whole dorm building. I was the only black person in almost all of my classes except African American studies. But it was so frustrating. Like I was, it was just so. It was like I was like, nah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm a jet. Me guys. Nah. Yeah. So, so inclusivity and just, I mean, yeah. this is, that makes sense. One other question for you. Something a little bit more silly, hopefully. Okay. 
How much have you been code switching with us today? I mean, <laughs> not not a ton, you know. <laughs> It'd be great if you came out with like thirty seven percent. I mean, if we're if, we, if we're putting a percent on it, it's maybe like seventy thirty. Okay, seventy being normal nah. speak. Yeah, just how you right. cool. Well, so that awesome. makes me feel better as a woke white person. <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, no, I'm it's just a little goofy something. to do that. But um, no, it makes me feel better because I uh, one of my things in life is just I always want I don't want people to feel like they have to adapt in order to interact with me. Right. I will say, this is something, I told my friend that I was going to do this, right? Yeah. And she she was like, are you going to ask them any questions? And I was like, girl, I don't know. And then she was like, Please we do. were just talking. And then she was like, we came to this point in the conversation where she wondered why I was going to be the only black person here. And I said, mm. girl, I don't know. So, why am I the only black person here? Short answer is because we're, it's, it's a podcast that the three of us do. It's right. just because we're friends and we just kind of linked up. Right. And you're the guest. We, we could have brought more. I guess we never thought of bringing we, more than one person. <laughs> yeah. I like to think of it as, well, we didn't really think about it. Yeah, well, that's... N- but see, what's interesting, though, is that you didn't think about the fact that, like, me, this black person, might have a completely different... Like, it's because, for example, my friend who lives in Macedonia, she don't know... She had no idea what code switching was because she never had to do it. Hmm. And so it's just interesting that interesting. you guys didn't think that, like, maybe different black people would have had different experiences. Mm. You were oh, just like, sure. let me just get a black person and see uh, what they think. So, no, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad, no, I, I'm glad that you bring that up because, actually, I I really, I put a lot of thought into asking you to talk about I, this topic. Which I which I figured. Uh-huh. And I, I get, but I just also find it interesting that, like, one of the reasons I made that sweeping statement at the beginning that mm-hmm. I don't speak for all black people is that oftentimes a group of white people will think that one person, oh, no. one black person can, you know, not necessarily speak for a whole race of people, but like, you know, like have an overall similar idea or understanding that all black people have. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just not the case. And I didn't <laughs> know if I was just, it was just interesting to me that like, that, that I was the only black person that you asked. So I honestly I, I I did actually think about asking more people. There were a couple obstacles to that. One is you're our first guest right. on this podcast, right. and to that end, we've never had anyone on before. Right. I, I really didn't know how it was necessarily going to go, and I figured adding one person to the group okay. would be a, a so it was easier. And, well, that was part of it. Was. That was part of it. Another part of it is I do know enough. Like there were other black people. I know other black people. <laughs> Um, that sounds so like, good. Andy, you're, you're <laughs> digging a hole. In yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't know a huge... I could have asked you, and there are ways I could have gotten some other people in, but I felt like I felt like your qualifications to talk about this coming from both an academic standpoint as an English teacher, but also as a black person and having lived through it and experienced it mm-hmm. in a workplace, and I knew that you had, because we've talked about it before. Right. So I felt like I really wanted to actually, to your point, I wanted to capture that your personal experience okay. with it and okay. get that personal side of it. So you wanted, I, you wanted I, my experience, not a black experience. Correct. Okay. Um, I want to thank you for representing the whole black community. <laughs> one opinion on any one thing, and oh now God. it's written in. So, you know, it's going to be hard to change that in the future. So, Yeah. No, um, 
it, it really came down to... I wasn't really sure. I was sure nervous to bring in too was... many people because I didn't know how the okay. conversation was going to roll. And not to mention, scheduling was already difficult enough. Right. I, I um, just... just... Me, I was curious because she asked but me, I would love and to. I didn't know the answer to the question. <laughs> I see, but that would be a lot of fun for me, anyway, is to have to invite like twelve different black people into or, a room and ask about their different experiences two. and comparing two. <laughs> I, I think that would be really cool because that would give us a chance to really see different aspects of right, it. You right. know, you present one story, right. one one because vision, like, of and her. then you said something interesting earlier. That nice job. I <laughs> we would say that you went to middle school, right. primary school. Yeah, elementary with, school. <laughs> with like predominantly, you know, like a mixed mosh. Yes, I was my my sister and I made up forty percent of the white kids in my school. But then you said and you said Your something. sister and you made up forty percent of yes. the white people really, in your Andy? school. Like we gotta do that. There's five, <laughs> five of us and mathematics. Oh, oh I said I'm sorry. Okay. I thought you meant never mind. Was was something grammatically wrong? No, no, we're then, good. Wait, what? That's what I thought he was going with. I don't know. It was, and you said like you, you, you know, hip hop was a way that you could like, you know, like get to know black folks. I will say that, like, in elementary school, I was like listening to whatever was on the radio, and my dad was an oldies DJ, so I was listening to a bunch of like stuff from the fifties. But did you also like befriend black folks? Yeah, for sure. I lived. That's who all my friends. Literally, all my friends were when I was in elementary school. Like, are y'all still friends with black people? Oh yeah. I don't. I don't I'm, have talking, as, I'm not talking to you. Okay. I don't have this many, right. honestly. Like I just like I don't run into them. I don't run into them right. at work. I don't run into them in the like uh Is that something you've <laughs> ever thought about before though? Like So I I definitely had black friends when I lived down in Cincinnati and I had black friends growing up. Um I I'm sort of like insulated now. Like I don't meet as many new people, so right. I, it's not something that I really think about like, oh I need to get a black friend. Right. But have you ever noticed that, like, wherever, like you said, like, at work or where the, the places that you, you know, frequent... Yeah, that there are, are not as are many black lacking people. Yeah, definitely. In yeah. color. Yeah, and I can say, for me, like, I definitely, historically, I have a ton of black friends. But, like, today, But now, I don't have a lot of friends, is the problem. Like, <laughs> like this, this room is, like... A, a large percentage of the friends I have <laughs> in my life. I, I feel like maybe as I'm getting older, I'm not having like the same number of friends. I'm just, just having like more uh, closer friends, <clears throat> yeah, like a smaller circle of. But even friends. even if we're not like talking about like friends, just like coworkers, like Facebook friends, like yeah, I mean, not certainly <laughs> not as many as I had, uh, you know, when I was living in Cincinnati, and certainly not as many like when I was growing up. So, and we talked about this when we worked together right. that because. At that I, I was partially anyway in charge of hiring. Place we worked. Yeah, at that place we worked. Um, and and I, I've mentioned to you that there were a number of times where I actively tried to yeah. bring in some other black people to work there. And well, to be fair, first of all, they were so hard to find in this area, right? Where yeah. men are in such a white area, like men there, there was really not hard. a lot. There weren't a lot of applicants. Yeah. Who were, you know, once I they came in to interview. anybody who works there lives in Menor. That maybe. No, not most of them, yeah. So anyway, uh, it was, it was really difficult because, and I think it was because of the area. Yeah. But again, that's the problem I was talking about, about kind of neighborhood isolations. Right. Neighborhoods isolate. 
Right. Is probably the better way to <laughs> form that sentence. It's awkward no matter how you say it. But before awkward, we no wrap up, um, I wanted to get your impression on what do you think of uh, Black History Month? Like, do you think that it served an important role and now needs to expand into like all history needs no, to include? No, I don't. Are you still appreciate I think, Black I History think Month? That I think Black people in America have such a unique experience than Black people anywhere else. I think that as as trying and as as difficult and confusing as it has been and as it is to be a black American that like we need this month. Like I think that even though even if you're not even if you're not the kind of person who's like super woke air quotes. <laughs> um I think it's I think even during Black History Month we all take a second to just like you know like like reflect on you know maybe black American history, whatever that means to you or whatever it means to you to be black. You you have like like a safe space in which to do that. Hmm. Like like at like at uh, Heights last Tuesday was Dashiki Day. Oh, and so uh, they had everybody was cool. wearing dashikis and stuff, and that was a and and like no other time but during Black History Month Could that would be, yeah. that even happen. No, I don't know what a dashiki is. It's a type of African print clothing. It's like a oh, okay. top, and it's you it's know like that pattern, pattern yeah, you think of when you think of like the African print. Yeah, it's, but it's like the, like it's the like yellows and no, yeah, it can be any and, color. Yeah, honestly, right. fair enough. Okay, my, I don't know. My, <laughs> issue, my issue with Black History Month has always been like th- these people who don't understand history that Black month? History is just American history, right, right. and like mm. it'd be nice to like talk about that the other 11 months as well mm-hmm. but it's, and and even to that point like black history in schools and stuff is still an elective yeah hmm. um yeah. like and it well it's be american history not like, to mention and it's not it. even a required it's not even required like you don't i took black history in, in high school but it wasn't a requirement it fulfilled my elective requirement mm. and then high college it was the same thing i took black history as an elective it was and, a choice. I ch- I could choose to learn about black history or I could choose not to. Right. Civil rights I definitely got covered in like social studies. Like civil but rights so, is really important. It's it is, but it also kind of It cheapens the black it cheapens black history when mm-hmm. the only thing about black history that you know is the time during which we literally were fighting for our right to to mm. be regular people. Like, right. Well, right. I, but Ooh, I don't want to repeat history. Point. I mean like I, that's an important lesson to learn like Definitely. I don't want to. I don't want to go back. Right, but it's, it shouldn't That's be the only point. lesson. Sure. I, the okay. thing I was I even going to say was, um, you know, there even when when we focus like in history classes, the the black history aspect of mm-hmm. it is basically boiled down to slavery and civil war, right. and then the civil rights right. era. So it kind of just comes right back to what we were talking about about Hollywood right. of this oh well right. white people freed you and then white people right. passed this legislation well, we don't talk about, about like, like black inventors black scientists black mathematicians were there black scientists black. Like, I mean oh, like man. George Washington Carver or George, what was his name George, George Washington Carver, Carver. Yeah. That, like best scientist I could name right. best black, black and scientist that's, I could and name. that's the case but like I mean but even, but even like and during Black History Month peanut. even like in schools and stuff they make an extra effort to teach about those people who you normally Normally wouldn't hear about. Yeah, so well, even that small part is like makes it makes Black History Month worth it. Uh, so it's still like it's still a value today, and it's still a value going forward. Right, right. Like keeping it. Oh yes. my God. it just, and there's so many amazing like, stories out there too right. of of some really incredible people. Right. I, at the beginning of this year, Black History, I, I asked 
on Facebook, I asked my friends for some suggestions of kind of off the beaten path black biographies mm-hmm. or biographies about black people. Right. I wanted to, and, and there's some incredible stories out there of some people who did mind shattering things that nobody even no knows about. Sarah just texted me Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's a good one. <laughs> is is he technically a scientist or is he like a promoter? I, for he's a second just, I thought you were going to say is he technically black. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Um, so so follow up question, right? Is um, why yes, isn't there a white history actually. month? Because all the other history is white history. You know that though, I right? I just, I, just being I just would like it to suck less, and yeah. for like people, like people should know about Black history because mm-hmm. it's like what we built our country on. This country was literally built on the backs of slaves, mm-hmm. right? Like, like mm-hmm. literally, physically, a, yeah. figuratively, all, all, all the all the leaves. Like, like there's, there's <laughs> something there's something about wealth building in having somewhere around the. Re- range of like two to three trillion dollars worth of free labor right. to get your country started. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, that I guess you could ask the Egyptians, they knew too. Wait, it looks like Sarah sent me something else. Uh he's an astrophysicist, she says. He's so, an astrophysicist. I didn't I didn't mean to like Well he was um in charge of the the planetarium in New York City, what I forget what it's called, but like he ran that for like twenty years. I wasn't trying to put him down, it's just like um, I think he's still there. uh there's a lot of celebrities like like Bill Nye, for example. Right, that right. I would I mean, I don't know what his degree is in, but I would call him more of like a promoter of science, which is very important too. Oh no, he is he's definitely legit. Um Neil deGrasse Tyson I mean, PhD forget, according to Sarah. To be fair, yeah, he's he's smart as shit. Although that I, I have a bone to pick with him, but that's just that he tried to degrade Pluto and Pluto's a goddamn planet. That's Neil deGrasse Tyson too. That right? is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's yeah. the reason for that. But other than really? that I really like Neil deGrasse he's a, Tyson. He's a dwarf planet. I think the problem was no. that he could have either degraded one planet or upgraded a ton of other planets that fit that same thing. So either we would have had one less planet or like 30 planets. Or he could have left it alone. Um, Lolita, do you have other questions that you might yes, get covered please. for us? Um, I mean, I think that was it. Okay. Just, Man, you know, again, I cannot thank you enough for coming. This yes, is, thank this you so awesome. much. This is awesome. You were a perfect first guest for us to have. I mean, that You're I You're awesome. That yeah. I <laughs> would I'm you, not very humble. We totally <laughs> skipped in the <laughs> beginning, fine. but should we talk about our weeks? Yeah, yeah we, we can. Sure. And you should join in with us if, yeah. you're, okay. if you'd like. Or, so, but you since you haven't been here before, you could like you could talk to us about something that happened to you when you were seven. You know, whatever. <laughs> that's true. That's the it's the last. The time point we is, yes, right. it's the last time you were on the podcast. Oh, that's the time frame. Okay. So, um, precious moments. I'll I'll, get, I'll jump in because a lot of shit has happened this week politically, specifically <laughs> with. The impeachment trial wrapping up and Trump taking out all his revenge and all this other stuff. But the thing that just I has been kind of making me smirk a little bit in, in a kind of a dark way is the, the little tiff between uh, William Barr, the attorney general, and, and Trump. Where William Barr did this interview, he said... I think with ABC, and he said something like, well, I'm not going to be intimidated by Congress or the president or anybody. And then, and, and he said, the president needs to stop tweeting about Justice Department or, or um, DOJ trials and, and ongoing cases and things like that. So then Trump responds by tweeting about DOJ cases <laughs> and, 
Um, and it's just kind of, and it's been going back and forth for a few days now, and it's just amusing, sort of in a sad way to to watch his t- Trump's little, you know, criminality. Well, what I was gonna say was, it's like watching William Barr tugging on his leash, um, trying to go smell a squirrel or something, um, <laughs> and and Trump's just like, no, you're my bitch, and and it, I, like I, I kind of, as much as I hate Trump and everything that he stands for and everything. I also kind of enjoy watching him torture the people who have devoted themselves to him because they don't actually want to do what he wants necessarily. Wow, they that have sounds ways. really sadistic. But and okay. like, I like watching them eat their own shit, basically. Over um, over the weekend, 1,100 former DOJ employees yes! Ooh, signed a letter saying that William Barr has to step resign. down. Yeah! So. He won't, but... <laughs> oh, my God. An incredible thing. Yep. 11,000? Is that the number? 1,100. 1,100. Okay. I was going to say I thought it was closer to 1,000. Yes. It is very close to 1,000. Yeah. Like 100. Anyway, that's my, that's my like, precious moment for the week. Excellent. Um, so, uh, this week I found out... Well, I guess this has been going on for a while, but... Um, my uh, Bible study group has been doing like this, uh, it's like a prayer experiment. This might sound kind of silly. Because uh, I know we have an experiment. is clearly the way ex- to go. Experiment. <laughs> uh, this might sound silly because I know we have a lot of like diverse uh, you know, beliefs that are at this podcast. But beliefs um, are not diverse. So, so <laughs> what they're, they're doing pointed. is they're, they're looking for people, like reaching out to people and saying like, okay... Um, you know, maybe you do or don't believe in God, but let's, let's do some praying and like maybe praying like for something or with, uh, you know, asking for something, following up with that person over time and just kind of like seeing what the results are. Like praying on their behalf. Like we're going to pray with or with them. Okay. Or so like praying, like, let's say you pray, you find a new job and then. Yeah, exactly. And then like, you know, following up, you know, did you get the new job? Right. Which, I mean, a one-to-one correlation of like, all right, I prayed for something and I definitely got a new job is not necessarily like, that's not exactly what you're does not imply correlation or rather flip it around. Um, but, uh, so I found that really interesting. And so like, you know, I'm looking for people if somebody wants to start like, uh, you know, the prayer experiment. You want to be um, part of the prayer experiment? No, experiment. Prayer. Jesus Christ, it's not that hard. It's a very simple portmanteau. Experiment. Experiment. So, Jesus. Um, oh, no offense. So, uh, <laughs> like, sorry. Like yeah. half our podcast is coming up with puns. Yes. <laughs> So, so anyway, sorry. so if anybody wants to get in on this experiment, I'm yeah. I'm down. So <laughs> listeners, just reach out to or visit him at his home. Yeah, uh, yeah. come on by. <laughs> would you like to go next? So you're sandwiched in between everybody, uh, or would you like to go last so you have a little bit more time to think about? No, it? I can go. Um, or would you, you like also to not don't go have to go. <laughs> you can also say pass. Me and my husband went to Pure W last week. I love that place. It was so nice. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. Really good soup. Oh, it my was God. So yeah. yeah. But it was, That's like, a, such an experience. It's the kind of place that doesn't print prices on the menus. You were talking I, right, about it's that like, last week. I don't, I don't eat like that anymore. It's, Are they? It's Are they? sandwiched but, in between those giant apartment buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly. We, um, Caitlin happens to know the GM there, so we've been there a few times oh. and get, like, a free app or a free yeah. mimosa or something. It's nice. The Game Master? The 
general manager. Oh, I thought you guys were playing D and D Yes, I wish. Um, no, and and so we've been a few yeah. times, and it is so, so nice. good. It's, oh, it's beautiful. You see yeah. out over the I was ocean, snowing, lake. <laughs> it was nice. We're never going back because it's awesome. so expensive. But so they do a um, like a brunch. That yeah, I did see that. Is the brunch? It's really good. It's so good. No, it's menu? not reasonably priced Dang. at all. It's like <laughs> a solid like sixty dollars a person. Oh or no, man! Like, it's Mm-mm. stupid. It comes with a one mimosa though. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's ridiculous. Yeah, bottomless mimosas for like thirty bucks. I think. I don't disagree. And breakfast, not not just the mimosas, like including the breakfast. But, um, well, yeah, that's what anyway, Pure Dolby's yeah. awesome. It was great. It was, it was great. Don't regret it. Oh, my it. goodness. My credit card does, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a restaurant a, you have to save up for. Every once in a while, like, no, it's not, good to do no, something. Every once. Yeah. Every once. <laughs> every <laughs> once a decade. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, my precious moment for the week, er, I, yeah, the thing that made me laugh this week is about uh, Alabama Representative Rolanda Hollis. So Republicans have introduced yet another, like, unconstitutional abortion ban bill. And so in response, uh, I'll just, like, quote this article. An Alabama lawmaker has authorized a bill that would require each man to undergo a vasectomy at age 50 or, quote, after the birth of his third biological child, whichever comes first. (laughs) (laughs) And... Uh, she said, uh, many have seen HB 238, which is the abortion, uh, bill as an outrageous overstep. Yet year after year, the majority party continues to introduce new legislation that tries to dictate a woman's body and her reproductive rights. We should view this with the same, uh, as the same outrageous overstep in authority. How have we not overturned that though? Like seriously? I just, that's overturned what? Well, so in Ohio, there's the heartbeat bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, right right now. Where like, it's in effect right now. Oh, yeah. Mike DeWine is likely to make it worse. Yeah. It's his style. Yeah. It, well, it'll get overturned when it goes to the Supreme Court. That but just seems need... crazy to me that it's it's the current year. It's 2020 and that that's... Year of our Well, make sure to vote Republicans, everybody. Well, so, I mean, yeah. Topic for yeah, another day. Real, but, real bad. Um, but anyway, she the, did a, she did a, a very, like appropriate and funny thing to show them how ridiculous they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And Did I it loved work? it. Uh, yes, they have all voted against their own bill in shame. Ah, good. Congratulations. <laughs> good. No, Happy um, ending. Anyway, uh, thank you again, Melita. It's been very nice. Uh, I think we pretty much wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Yeah, I think you do. Okay, bye. Alright, love you, bye. You know what those like files look like? Yeah, the, yeah. Know, yeah. So as yeah. long as there's an interruption in I there, he can spot it. So that, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it was sarcasm. You didn't catch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when.